0: Great. Uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them to First Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5. We're going to be looking at one verse, verse 18. Love you guys dearly. Glad that I could uh, give this devotional, albeit 3,000 miles away um, from y'all. I do miss you guys a lot, but uh, it was sweet to meditate on this passage, and I look forward to talking about it with you. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18 says this: "Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus." Let's pray. God, even in this tumultuous time, we give you thanks for your mercy in our lives for your steadfast covenant love towards us in Christ. We thank you that even now we can meditate on your word together. So I pray that you would help us during this time by the power of your Holy spirit. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. If you were stranded on an island, who is one person that you would want to be with you? If you can only pick one person, Who would it be? Now, I'm sure many of you named someone that you're living with right now. But I'm also sure that some of you might have been thinking of someone else. Because right now, at least in isolation, it could feel like we're kind of living on our own islands. And sometimes we'd rather be with a volleyball than with the people that we're living with. Our close proximity has increased the frequency and intensity of our relationships. The aroma of bad attitudes can emanate from others like a candle, small little, hmm, that's a little too high-pitched, or a look that was a second too long. It's just a flicker, but the stench of passive aggression fills the room, doesn't it? And even if we have the self-control to control our outward actions, what about all the thoughts that go through our minds? Our inner monologue can become a landfill of grumbling, judgmentalism, and complaints. So what's wrong with us? Why can our attitudes be so rotten? Well, our attitude problems are more fundamentally gratitude problems. And in 1 Thessalonians, Paul provides a command to give thanks in everything. So we're going to break this passage down into five parts. Firstly, what to do, when to do it, why you should do it, where you should do it, and how you should do it. I'll say that again. What you should do, when you should do it, why you should do it, where you should do it, and how you should do it. We'll begin with point one, what to do. Give thanks. Give thanks. Now, when's the last time someone told you to say thank you? For most of us, it's when we were kids or when someone sarcastically says in faith, you're welcome, before you could do anything. So is God's command here to give thanks, like catechizing your kids in good manners. Well, yes. In that it's a command that you need to obey. But no, in that God isn't just calling you to a formal call and response. He's actually commanding something of your heart. If you're not a Christian, you might think that Christianity is just a bunch of rules for one to follow. But Christianity is not like a mother chiding her child to obey the house rules. God commands your obedience, but he demands more than that. He expects something of your heart. And how clean do you think that your heart is? God is commanding a genuine, heart-filled thankfulness here, which leads us to when to do it. When should we give thanks? Verse 18 says, give thanks in everything, in everything. Now in the Greek, in everything means in everything, all thanks, everything. That means you're supposed to give thanks in all seasons, in times of constant peace, as well as times of trial. But when things are consistently good, are we consistently thankful? In times of trial, how can we be thankful when things are so tumultuous? Blessings become dull and trials become overwhelming. How do you give thanks in everything? Some think that the solution is to detach yourself from your circumstances. They think that because of the gospel, thankfulness is something that comes from within and not from something outside. So find your inner peace, be Zen, and you'll find yourself in a constant state of even keel thanksgiving. Now, while I do think that's good to be in a constant state of joy, in verse 16, he commands people to rejoice always, which I think is definitely focused on an inward state of joy, I don't think that verse 18 here is focused primarily on a thankfulness that's found within ourselves. Christian thanksgiving isn't found within, but actually in everything around us. Others... Will use language like trying to find something to be thankful for, as though they're looking for something that surprises them in a universe filled with mediocrity, a little splash of color in a monochromatic world. But that presumes that something needs to be extraordinary in order for it to be something worth being thankful for. When Paul commands us to give thanks, In everything, he means in everything. There is always something to be thankful in the midst of everything. Saying you don't have anything to be thankful for, is like opening a fridge full of food and saying that you have nothing to eat. So that's when to do it. You ought to do it in everything. But why should we do it? Because it's God's will for you. Because it's God's will for you. God desires for you to be thankful. And if God wants you to be genuinely thankful, and not just obedient on a surface level, then that means that God genuinely wants you to be genuinely thankful. He actually wants you to be filled with happy, joyous Thanksgiving. And that's a good thing. Wouldn't it be great to be in a state of thankfulness, to have things, to be thankful for, to ooze gratitude for those around us. We all want to be around those people that are always appreciative, always encouraging, and always thankful. And God desires that for us. So even God's command here in this verse is for our good. He commands it for our good. But God's desires aren't just wishful thinking. He actually provides the means for us to be able to obey that good command, which leads us to where to do it, where to give thanks. And the verse here in verse 18 says, in Christ, in Christ. The only way that we could possibly obey this command to give thanks in everything would be to do it in Christ. Without the water of life, our hearts would remain crusty and bitter. Without Christ, everything would be vain because tomorrow we die. Even the best things we can be grateful for would soon be gone. Without Christ, God would not desire for us to be thankful, but for us to be justly punished for rebelling against him. This is precisely why Christ is such good news. We can never obey ourselves out of sin. Christ, in his kind generosity, gave up himself. Hebrews 12 says that for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. When we turn from our sin and trust in Christ, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, which means that we can stand before the Father pure and pure and righteous, and God desires the best for us in Christ. God desires good things for us because he desires the best for his son, and we get to share in that joy and blessing through and in Christ. If you're not a Christian, I would urge you to trust in this Jesus. Talk to a friend about what it would look like to trust Christ, which is leads us to our last point, how to do it. So I said lots of things about Thanksgiving and the location and and why it's important, but, but how do we actually do this? How do we give thanks in everything? Well, it's quite simple, really. You do it by trusting Christ. Now, I'm colorblind. There are certain shades of dark purple and really neon yellow that I just can't see. My, my brain doesn't comprehend those colors because I've never seen them before. And There are YouTube videos of partially colorblind people who put on these special glasses that enable them to see colors that they previously had never seen. And a lot of them end up weeping with joy as they see the beauty of these colors that their brain had literally never comprehended before. Now, it's not that those colors had not been there before, but their fallen eyes had blinded them from seeing the beauty beyond what they could see with their natural eye. So they put the glasses on and then the hidden treasure is revealed. When you put Christ on, when you look through the lenses of Christ, his goodness becomes revealed in areas that you would not have expected to see it. And when you do, your heart overflows with gratitude and joy. Things become precious to you because you can see God's good intent for you in those things. Christ can look at the cross and with godly, sanctified eyes, see the joy that's set before him. And that means we, in Christ, can look at even terrible, difficult things with joy. Because when we look at it, we can see the joy that's set before us. But even with the Spirit's help, we fail in giving thanks in everything. So here are a few practical things that we can do as we give thanks in everything in Christ. Now, if I tried to address every single scenario that encapsulates uh, the Christian life under the word everything, then we would be here all day. So I'm not going to do that. But here are three really kind of basic things that we can do to help grow ourselves uh, in giving thanks in everything. Firstly, reframe your blessings and your burdens. Reframe your blessings and and your burdens. I remember being at the Jameson's house here at CHBC, and the, the mom Kristen was in the kitchen trying to make us dinner when their son Will came charging through the room and toppling over many things. And in the midst of the mess, Kristen just looked at me and smiles and she said, Well, there's another rejoicing opportunity. I wonder if you look at your burdens as rejoicing opportunities or even the mundane normal blessings of life and view it as a rejoicing opportunity. Take actual active effort to try to see how God is showing you his goodness within the blessings and burdens of your life. This is different than saying serenity now and trying to detach yourself from whatever's going on. This is actually trying to look within those things that might be burdensome or boring to you, and seeing God's beauty and his goodness in there. And when you do, you can begin to give thanks for those things. Number two, share your blessings and your burdens. Share your blessings and your burdens. When you share with others you you're able to breathe oxygen into the flame of your thanksgiving. If you're actually joyous and you share that with other people, it's not like any joy is sapped away by bringing in another person. If anything that flame increases in size and intensity. When you let others into your life, you're able to magnify God's goodness. And if you're not able to see God's goodness in your life enough to give thanks for it, letting others into your life can help you see God's goodness in places that you might not. After this sermon, I'm guessing that there's going to be a breakout where we're going to be able to talk to each other for about a minute. Apart from sharing the immense blessing that this sermon must have been, maybe share something else This has been a rejoicing opportunity for you. And thirdly, read biographies. Read biographies. There is something special about reading the lives of other Christians. I don't mean just any biography. Like, don't go reading about the life of Lyndon B. Johnson. Read Christian biographies. Because when you step out of your own life and see God's faithful kindness in other people's lives, you may begin to see God's kindness in your own life in areas that you may not expect. So I want to recommend, you know, Rachel Gilson's Born Again This Way. Um, She's a fantastic Christian author who wrote this memoir on her experience with same-sex attraction. Uh, or John G. Patton's uh, autobiography uh, as a missionary to the Hebrides as he uh, tried to share the gospel with the Venatu people. Or even if you go on desiringgod.org forward slash biographies, Piper basically will read these longer kind of thick biographies of different Christians, and then he will write his own kind of biographical summary of the lives of those people. So you can go on desiringgod.org forward slash biographies right now and see just a whole host of Christian biographies. And you can see God's faithfulness and his goodness in those Christians' lives. So, So read stories, read biographies of other Christians and see God's faithfulness in their lives. And you might just begin to see God's kindness in your own and we can do all th- all of these things in terms of seeing God seeing God's goodness and his kindness in all things because Christ has been all sufficient to us he has given us the greatest gift the greatest reason to be thankful in the person of Christ. It's because we have hope in Christ that we have hope in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of seeming boring and mundane times, because Christ gives us hope everlasting. So we can give thanks with a grateful heart. We can give thanks to the Holy One. And we can give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his son. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus that you sent your son to die on a cross for our sin, bearing your wrath. Thank you that we can find grace in you just by simply placing our trust in you. Such a sweet gift. And I pray now that in this season, regardless of, of whatever our life circumstances may bring, whatever, regardless of whatever wars may be waging within our own souls, I pray, God, that you would help us to see your goodness in the midst of all of it, and to be able to give you thanks in it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.